Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. On this episode of the OFNT podcast, I cover the Huawei-dominated tech news, the wacky world of entertainment, and have some more podcasting news. You know, the regular stuff. But I also tell part one of my participation in the closure of Montauk Air Force Station. Yes, that Montauk Air Force Station. That's for all you conspiracy theorists out there. So join me for another round of boomerisms. Uh, that's right. I'm owning it. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of the OFNT podcast. OFNT stands for Old Fart, New Tech. I'm your host and resident old fart, Jim Schaefer. And the new tech, at least to me, is this podcast. I hope you are doing well and having a great week. The number of coronavirus cases in Korea has increased to 4,212 as of March 1st. Pray for that country if you believe in such things. Politics. Booty gig is out. It's hard to be elected president when no one can pronounce your name. Kluchbar is also out. The last semi-moderate candidate left. Bloomberg has spent enough money on nothing. Elizabeth, I lied about being a person of color. Warren has also left. The departed, except Warren, are rallying around Biden. Anything to stop the Burnmeister, it seems. The only other candidate left is Tulsi, I am a person of color, Gabbard. I guess she'll mill around for a chance at being vice president. Just saying. Tech News From ZDNet Samsung and LG hit with more coronavirus cases. South Korean tech conglomerates Samsung and LG have been hit with more coronavirus at their facilities as the total number of infected continues to rise in the country. Gumi, a city outside Taegu, seems to be the hardest hit. Expect delays of new tech products, folks. This is just the beginning. Yahoo Finance has the following headline. 
Huawei makes end run around U.S. ban by turning to its own chips. Huawei, in the fourth quarter, sold more than 50,000 of their next-generation base stations that were free of U.S. technology. This according to Tim Danks, but what's in her name? The US, he's the U.S.-based Huawei executive responsible for partner relations. For an unlimited time, a free backdoor will be included. Continuing with Huawei, a Slashgear.com reports that Huawei is developing its own search engine as the next step towards Google independence. Get ready for only favorable articles about Communist China being indexed. It won't matter to its largest market, which is its home country of China, because Google is not allowed on domestic devices. My advice is to not trust any social media or search engines. They only show you what they want you to see. Use multiple sources and break through the bubble and echo chambers you are currently living in. Again concerning Huawei. What is HMS? All you need to know about Huawei's new mobile ecosystem. This headline from AndroidAuthority.com. Well, Nokia's tried it, Samsung tried it, and Microsoft tried it, and they all failed. Outside China and the areas that that country influences, this will most likely fail also. HMS is a suite of apps which mimics Google services. Google already vacuums up enough of your data already. Can you imagine what Huawei apps will take from you? Or give you? The next story is also about Huawei, and it's uh, the biggest one this week. Reuters is reporting the following. Newly obtained documents show Huawei's role in shipping prohibited U.S. gear to Iran. China's Huawei Technologies, which for years denied violating American trade sanctions on Iran, produced internal company records that show it was directly involved in sending prohibited U.S. computer equipment to Iran's largest mobile phone operator. Two Huawei packing lists dated December 2010 included computer equipment made by Hewlett Packard Corporation and destined for the Iranian carrier. Internal documents reviewed by Reuters shows this. Another Huawei document dated two months later stated, quote, currently the equipment is delivered to Tehran and waiting for custom clearance, end quote. The article goes on to say the equipment was funneled through two other Chinese companies, Panda International and Skycom, with Panda International being controlled by an unnamed Chinese state-owned company, and Skycom, which was registered in Hong Kong but liquidated in 2017. How convenient. Huawei has claimed ignorance of any illegal acts committed by Skycom, who the company claims was a local partner in Iran. The Iran Telecom, known as MCI, is controlled by our buddies, the Islamic Revolutionary Guards. Obviously, Skycom was set up just for busting the sanctions and to give Huawei a way out of the allegations against it. The documents cited in the article, along with others, paint a completely different picture. Now, the reason for last week's avalanche of anti-Huawei testimony, given by seemingly opposite sides of the political spectrum, starts to make sense. Either Huawei has a whistleblower, in my opinion, not very likely, or an intelligence operation was run successfully against him. 
I think the latter is more feasible. To me, this proves that the Chinese government knew what was going on and gave its blessing to violate the sanctions. Our, our allies, indeed. I'm sure more will come out on this story in the following weeks. I sound like a Canadian there, didn't I? Oot. Next up, Amazon, Microsoft, and IBM are under pressure to follow Google and drop gender labels like man and woman from their AI. AI stands for Artificial Intelligence, for those that didn't know. This was from Business Insider. Why is a small part of the world population dictating to the majority what we should think? There are two physical genders, no matter what advocates say or what the paid-off researchers tell you. If you carry your reproductive organs internally, well, most likely you are a female. If they are on the outside, you're a man. Why are we so hell-bent on distorting this? Well, look up the origins of communism and be enlightened. End of an error. New York City set to remove iconic payphones off the streets, according to abcnews.com. About 30 payphones will be removed from Hell's Kitchen by the end of the month, followed by an estimated 3,000 more across the city's five boroughs in the coming months. Only four phone booths are left in Manhattan, all on the Upper West Side. That's my old uh, stomping ground. Pay phones largely replaced phone booths when booths became porto potties for the homeless. Pay phones became popular amongst drug dealers until cell phones became common, especially with the homeless. Only in America do the homeless have cell phones. Samsung to supply network solutions to Spark New England. The South Korean giant will supply its network solutions to the country's telecos starting this year. See? Things are already looking better with more competition. The alternative would have been Huawei controlling the world's telecommunications. And we know we just can't have that. From CNBC, Apple, Microsoft, and Google look to move production away from China. That's not going to be easy, is the headline. The article says the companies are looking towards Vietnam and Thailand for future hardware manufacturing, but will take some time to implement because of the way China is embedded into the supply chain. Assembly can be moved quickly, though. At least these companies are looking for options. Why they allowed themselves to put all their eggs into one basket is a mystery to me. I figured that diversifying supply and manufacturing would be taught in Supply Chain 101. I guess not. The world needs to get off the Chinese tit and form alternatives. That is my opinion, of course. Next from the Irish Times. Tech firms are feeling the burn, as in Bernie Sanders. Tech workers are a strong support base for the so-called Democratic Socialist candidate, says the article. Citing that the senator from Vermont raised more money from the five largest tech firms than any of his rivals, this despite his vow to break up Google, Facebook, and Amazon. All I can say to this is, you reap what you sow. Coming up, it's story time. Closing Montauk Air Force Station, Part 1. Here's a little background and brief history of what was and is known as Montauk Air Force Station. Supposedly, this is the place where futuristic weapons and time travel was developed 
and experiment with, according to some conspiracy theorists, most who have since died in not-so-mysterious ways. Read that as natural causes. These experiments were supposedly taking place in underground laboratories beneath the base. I was one of the last military members at that base, so I am very familiar with the place. Here's some history now. What eventually became Montauk Air Force Station started in 1917 during World War I as Naval Air Station Montauk. Montauk is located on the eastern tip of Long Island, New York. Dirigibles, one aircraft, and naval troops were stationed there during the war. In 1942, the Army took over and renamed the site Camp Hero. With World War II raging, there was a fear of German U-boats, and Montauk was considered a likely infiltration spot. The Navy maintained land at the site and used it for torpedo testing for the duration of the war. The Army stationed four surplus 16-inch naval rifles installed as coastal artillery in two concrete bunkers on the site. Various other weapons were employed as mainly anti-aircraft defenses. The base was built to resemble a fishing village to hide it from German spies and bombers. When the war ended, the base reverted to an Army Reserve site. When the Cold War erupted, the U.S. Air Force took control of the site and installed radar equipment and renamed it Montauk Air Force Station. This became integrated into the Semi-Automatic Ground Environment, SAGE is the acronym there, under the Aerospace Defense Command, old ADC, by the late 1950s. I had the privilege of being a member of that old command before it was disbanded in the mid-1980s. This was the reason I became involved with closing uh, down Montauk Air Force Station. The ADC was considered one of the last real Air Force commands by the old-timers. I won't get into the specifics of SAGE or the integrated technology that made up the system, but plenty is available online if you are so interested. It all tied into NORAD for the defense of the continental United States. Eventually, it was decided that the FAA civilian radar and the Air Force radar mission would be combined to save money. This made sense because the civilian radar was more advanced, and it was a no-brainer. The squadron responsible for the site was the 773rd Radar Squadron, and I was present at the decommissioning of Jan- on January 31st, 1981, along with the commander whose name I can't recall and the remnants of the soon-to-be-deactivated squadron. It was a sunny but cold day when they flipped the switch and shut the radar down. I wasn't a member of the squadron, but was the lone temporary duty assi- assigned to help close the place down. The other handful of airmen temporarily assigned were to keep the radar running. They departed over the next week, which left me residing in the barracks by myself. In fact, on weekends, for the duration of my stay, I was the only military member on the base. The other military members, the permanent party, party people, re- resided in housing located away from the main base. I used to joke with friends stationed back at my home base that I was acting commander of Montauk Air Force stations on weekends. The only other people around were civilian workers who kept the power plant going, but even they left eventually when the base switched to commercial power, just before I left. I never saw any evidence of weird experiments going on, but permanent party members told me about some weird behavior by airmen stationed there before my arrival. Back then, Montauk was not the tourist destination it is now, and in the winter, the town literally shut down. 
All but one restaurant closed for the season, and the only other store open for business was a combination pharmacy convenience store. There was only one train a day to Montauk, which made the place very isolated in winter. This, I believe, contributed to the strange behavior I will describe later. When the tasking for the assignment came down, I was the only volunteer. I had two reasons. One was that I would collect an advance of $2,500, with more coming my way after my return, which was big money in 1980. Reason number two, I was the only unmarried person in my section, so what the hell, why not go? Upon my arrival, I was picked up by the motor pool at the train station and shown to my room at the barracks, which was as, as described. It was built to resemble a large house within a fishing village. The room was spacious, but uh, had a community bathroom and shower, but was way above the current standards of the Air Force at the time. The next morning, I was shown to my work area, which was located on top of a hill near the shore. It featured a large window with a breathtaking view of the ocean. You could some sometimes see whales swim by. My boss would just stare out of that window for hours and only took a break when telling us what he, we needed to be doing that day. My primary job was to load trucks full of equipment and transport them to McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey and stay overnight, which uh, occurred weekly. As a bonus, I was paid extra to do that, too. It, was, it also gave me the opportunity to shop at the huge base exchange, which at the time was the biggest on the East Coast. I bought a Nikon F3 camera there for half the price it would have cost me downtown. Montauk Air Force Station had the best chow hall that I'd ever eaten at in my whole military career. It was run by an all-civilian staff, and Friday's menu featured fresh seafood, and Saturday was steak night. Not to be missed. As I settled in and got to know the airmen permanently stationed there, the stories started coming. The first one was about an airman who had the nickname of Boo Boo. Boo-Boo was described as being tall and thin with a hawkish nose on which rested a pair of thick-lensed birth control, called BC for short, glasses. This was a name given these out-of-style government-issued glasses because if you were unlucky enough to have to wear them, you would never attract a woman. Hence, birth control glasses. Boo-Boo was from somewhere in the Deep South and wasn't known for his intelligence. What he was known for was his aversion to showering or washing his clothing, especially his uniform. He supposedly slept with the windows to his room wide open, even in the cold of winter. This is probably to mask his smell if the hygiene problem was true. He also liked to work on his pride and joy, an old Chevy Camaro, using his bed sheets for protection from the ground. These, too, would go unwashed, according to the people who knew him. Boo-Boo was a transportation specialist, which was a glorified way to describe a truck driver in the Air Force back then. That would mean he was assigned to the motor pool, which provides storage for the vehicle fleet and also had a shop to maintain it. The first strange incident concerning Boo-Boo was that he drove a two-and-one-half-ton truck, complete with oversized container, all the way to McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey, using parkways instead of the regular roadways. To accomplish this feat, he must have driven the truck in the middle lane to barely avoid hitting the numerous overpasses with the container. On the way back from McGuire, he was pulled over by the New York State Police 
and given a ticket with a large fine, and the truck was towed off the Southern State Parkway. The troopers asked him if he saw the sign saying, No commercial vehicles allowed, to which he replied, I ain't driving no commercial vehicle. I'm driving a government vehicle. That accent I put in. I don't know what the guy really talked like. The troopers weren't impressed by this and detained Boo Boo and the truck and called the base commander to send someone to pick them both up. The second and more serious incident involving Boo Boo was unbelievable to me until confirmed by the head of the motor pool. It seems when the Army stood down Camp Hero and removed the artillery and anti-aircraft pieces, they hastily left some live ammunition scattered in the woods surrounding the former emplacements. Of course, someone like Boo Boo would stumble upon such a thing. One afternoon, after returning from lunch, the head of the motor pool and another airman heard banging noises coming from the area where vehicles were repaired. Upon checking to see what was causing the racket, they were horrified to see that Boo-Boo had put a live round into a vice and was hammering on it with a mallet. After recovering from their initial shock, the two men stopped Boo-Boo from continuing what could have resulted in a very bad situation. When questioned about why he was doing something so stupid, Boo-Boo replied, Well, Sarge, I just wanted to see what was in that thing. Of course, explosive ordnance was called in from McGuire Air Force Base, who swept the area and removed and disposed of all unexploded ammunition they found. I'm sure Boo Boo was eventually promoted to general. Next week, I'll go into what my normal workday at Montauk was and tell the story of a very strange non-commissioned officer who decided to just quit the Air Force and found a novel way to do this without getting in trouble. Well. Not too much trouble. And now it's time for entertainment news. It's not too wacky uh, this week. I'm sure it'll make up for it next week. First up, from moneycontrol.com. Release of James Bond film No Time to Die delayed amid coronavirus fears. The already delayed film is now delayed until November 25th. What's it been, almost five years since the last Bond film? And to think old Cubby Broccoli used to pump out a movie every year. Then it went to two years, then to three, now five? With people having a short attention span these days, this can't be good. Hell, I was an avid Bond fan, but really have lost interest over the years with the longer times between films. Now, I understand the coronavirus fears, but this movie really should have been released two years ago. Next, Yahoo Lifestyles reporting that Katy Perry is pregnant. Oh my God, a woman getting pregnant? Who would have thought? All right, sarcasm over. Fox News headline, Lizzo accuses TikTok of removing videos of her wearing bathing suits. Quote, I wonder why. I don't. I'm not a fan of the Chinese-owned and controlled app, and I don't agree with censorship unless it's for national security, but seriously, why would anyone want to see this disaster in a bathing suit? In a suit. Bathing suit. Next, why Robert Plant didn't get any songwriting credits on Led Zeppelin 1 is the headline from thecheatsheet.com. Could it be that this band basically plagiarized most, if not all, of the music they ever produced? 
The article briefly touches on this, but it's basically a fluff piece. I myself wasn't much of a fan of this group during my youth, which was also their heyday. I thought then, and still think now, that they were and are the most overrated band ever. The last item of this week's entertainment news has an effect on me personally. This from Engadget.com. YouTube TV loses Yes Network in New Sinclair deal. If you were worried about your favorite Fox regional sports channels disappearing from YouTube TV, you may be in luck. Well, I wasn't. YouTube TV and Sinclair Broadcast Group have reached an agreement to keep 19 of the 21 channels on YouTube TV. But the platform will drop Fox Sports Prime Ticket and Fox Sports West, which carry games from Los Angeles area teams. It's also dropping the Yankees' Yes Network. Hmm. YouTube is dropping the two largest sports markets in the country. Well, back when satellite television became a thing, I was the first in my area to adopt it, signing up for Dish Network. I saved some money and was happy with the service. The only drawback was I could only have service in one room. If I added a second room, the savings over cable would disappear. Then along came DirecTV, which gave me multi-room service for about the same price as my single-room service that I was getting with Dish Network. Over the years, DirecTV kept increasing their prices until my monthly monthly bill hit almost $200. Then DirecTV Now was launched, and I got just about the same channel lineup as regular DirecTV for $80. I even got an Apple TV thrown in for free. The only channel that was missing was WPIX, which is a local channel. The only reason I missed this channel was because it carried some New York Yankee games, and my wife and I are avid Yankee fans. Over the few years I had the re then renamed AT&T TV Now service, the price crept up until it was almost the same price as the satellite service and still without WPIX. I looked around and YouTube TV seemed to fit my needs both price-wise and channel-wise. The service had the Yes Network, but alas, no WPIX. I chronicled my switch to YouTube TV in a previous episode. An antenna still would not allow us access to WPIX. Yeah, I tried. And the Yankee games uh, the station carried. The, then Lowcast happened, and I was in cord cutter heaven until March the 5th. YouTube TV dropped, yes, and I dropped YouTube TV like a bad habit and now subscribe to, subscribe to Hulu Live TV. I'm already a Hulu subscriber, so adding the live TV service was simple. Yes, no pun intended, I'm paying about $12 more per month, but again, I have access to the Yes Network. I can even watch Live PD because Hulu carries A&E and YouTube TV did not. I have no need for WPIX or Lowcast any longer because Amazon's Prime will be streaming the 21 games that were supposed to be broadcast on WPIX. So now I can watch every Yankee game that's played. This will make my wife very happy, and if she's happy, I'm happy too, if you get my drift. The only thing I can figure is Google did the math, 
and came to the conclusion that it would not be worth the money versus the subscriber base ratio to pay the price for the L.A. and New York sports market. Or it's just Google being Google. When I retire and move out of the area, this will all be moot because I'll subscribe to the MLB streaming service and I'll get all the Yankee games included because I'll be out of market. Then I can go to the cheapest streaming service that meets my needs. Also, as an example of my opinion on search engines indexing what they want you to see, my Google feed under technology, entertainment, or business did not bring up any article about YouTube TV dropping yes. My Bing technology news feed had this story as its first article. See what I mean? Okay, here's a little word, words of impact. Upon telling my grandmother about an upcoming deployment to Goose Bay, Labrador in Canada, and describing its location as being close to the Arctic Circle, I repeated the often said, there are no women, that my fellow servicemen told me. She laughed and said, of course there are women. Wherever there are men, there are women. Besides, how do you think the men got there? Of course, I discovered she was correct. All right, let's move on to some podcast stuff. First up, oh boy, Variety.com is reporting that Hillary Clinton, remember her, Hillary Clinton, is set to launch her own podcast after being inspired by Conan O'Brien and Howard Stern. Too bad she doesn't have a sense of humor the other two guys have. You know, the thing I feared most about a Hillary presidency was having to hear that cackling voice for four years or more. Think the Martian's voice in the movie Mars Attacks. Ack, ack, ack. The show will be on iHeartRadio later this year. I'm sure everybody can't wait. Kevin Bacon joins the recent throng of celebrities launching a podcast. Today.com reports that the new podcast will be called The Last Degree of Kevin Bacon and is a scripted comedy which the actor says is really like an old radio play. He adds, it's a lot of me poking fun at myself. Well, at least it's a different take on podcasting amongst the ever-expanding sea of celebrity shows. Get ready. Here comes the flood of coronavirus podcasts. From Radiolink.com, ABC News and CNN are launching podcasts covering the ongoing viral outbreak. ABC will introduce a segment on their Start Here podcast, and CNN will have a new podcast entitled Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. Let's see how many legacy media companies follow the lead in the coming weeks. Heck, I should have done one also. Hmm. Oh, wait. Sirius Radio is introducing Coronavirus, What You Need to Know, and 3 Uncanny 4 Productions is launching Viral Coronavirus. This according to AllAccess.com. I guess I've missed the boat on this one. That ship has sailed. Kind of quiet on the podcasting news front this week. A number of podcasting conventions are supposed to be taking place. We'll see with all this viral scare. So the next episode, I might have some more material. One can help anyway. Now it's time for my rant. The other day, my wife and I decided to eat at a Applebee's restaurant. While waiting for our food, we were exposed to the constant coughing of a fellow patron. 
Not only was he coughing, he didn't even bother to cover his mouth. With today's events of a spreading virus, I wanted to go over to this idiot and throw him out of the place. Of course, I would have been the bad guy then. Upon reflection, this behavior shouldn't surprise me. Just look around and you see people coughing, sneezing, and yawning without attempting to cover their mouths. Go into a public restroom and you see people not even bothering to wash their hands after finishing, and they're not even a little embarrassed about it, even when other people witness this behavior. Well, my parents taught me the practice of covering your mouth and washing your hands, and if I didn't, a nice smack was my reward. It's just basic consideration besides the health aspects of these practices. Again, consideration seems to have been sidelined during these it's-all-about-me times. I don't need to see your gaping pie holes and your lack of dentistry during my interaction with you, nor do you need to see mine. Can you just think about the fellow inhabitants of this planet and not just yourself? Yeah, probably not. A lot of people just seem unaware of anything around them. Maybe it's all the pharmaceuticals we are being prescribed or obtaining on our own. Well, that concludes another episode. If you are so inclined, contact me at ofntpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me how much this podcast sucks and suggest how I can approve it. Oh, and before I go, don't forget to stock up on vitamins A, C, and zinc supplements. Most of our vitamins and supplements, along with a lot of our medicines, are made in China. And I have the feeling there is a shortage coming. Oh, and forget surgical masks and hand sanitizer. These items are sold out everywhere. That includes online and at brick and mortar stores. Be safe. See you next week. Now, please get off my lawn. Take care, guys. I'm out. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.